This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Book Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mug Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and term supply. See mcdonalds.com. Here's Speroni, who rolls the ball out to Cannon. He's got options in front of him. He picks out Thomas. This is a nice-looking move from Palace. That's a neat ball to Ambrose, by space on the right. Good turn. He crosses into Johnson! Oh, yes! Back of the nest! Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Back of the Nest Preview Podcast. I'm your host, Terence Ford of redandbluearmy.co.uk. And I am joined by Sam Heskiff and Mike Scott to build you up to our most winnable fixture in what seems like months. We'll be talking singing sections, player of the month, salty Germans and shocking wallpaper. And for the preview, Gyro, Ayu and 442 will lead the way in the conversation, which should be a lot brighter post the well-earned point in Manchester last weekend. Through the show, you may hear references towards Natalie from No Nay Never, but due to a technical fault, we've been unable to bring her this week. Let's jump right in. Right, I kind of don't want to do beer check this weekend or this week because I've I've got a really bad one. So, <laughs> Skiff, go. Um, I did have a Moretti over dinner. I've now got a glass of water, so it's probably better than what I've got. And I wonder what Mike Holston Scott's got. Well, I've got I've got a London Porter, oh. uh, rich and aromatic with notes of chocolate, and and I think you'd be proud because in the week I went to the most hipster place in the most hipster town of Hove, obviously, um, <laughs> and I got myself some stout that was eleven and a half percent, and God. and literally like when when like Brian Cox talks about like. Um, black holes and and dark matter um when you poured that into a glass it, it would have described exactly the same thing I, and i just pictured your face and you'd be like yep that's hipster points right there 11 uh, percent uh i think anything that high if it's not wine you shouldn't be drinking it probably <laughs> it was it was good it was surprisingly good yeah mm, okay well uh, i'm drinking crabby's ginger beer <laughs> Yes. Uh, I had a leftover bottle and I got a bit of a sweet tooth. Um, it's washing down the Morley's nicely though, because I had 
run home after being stuck at work late and hastily assembled dinner of eight hot wings and fries, which was very delicious from the local Crystal Palace Morleys. Uh, of course, the big news today is that the club has announced the application process for the singing section. I think we'll call it application process. Um, Heskiff. This is obviously going to affect you a little bit. You're just to the side of it, but um, will you be putting your name down to move back a little bit and more central? Uh, I probably won't. Um, I'm going to be near enough it, you know, where it's going to be anyway. I'm, I'm row 12, so it'll be a bit behind me and to the left. But um, like I've alluded to before, I quite like my seat. I've been in my seat for a while now and um, yeah, I'll be near enough, I think. Um, plus if I move, that would mean that my wife would have to move her season ticket and stand next to me, which she doesn't do currently. And she bloody loves not having to stand next to me. <laughs> um, so I think it's more her decision than mine, but, uh, yeah, it's another vague press release though from the palace. Um, I was expecting a bit of a, a bit, bit of a longer press press statement than that. Um, but uh, I guess it, it, it allows everyone to wonder what the actual audition process is to get a spot in Blocky. Mm. Mike, you're a musician um, and, you know, they famously have a drum. So you, you're going to get involved? Uh, I don't think I am, actually. No, <laughs> I, I, I'm quite excited for it. And I'm excited that they'll be back on Saturday, a few rows in front of where I stand. Um, and it'll be nice, but uh, I don't think I'm going to indulge. Uh, I've heard a, a few other people have said they're going to apply, but um, I don't know what the, the rigorous process that Palace are going to go through to select people is anyway. So mm. quite interested. Yeah, um, <laughs> loads of people joking about audition processes and stuff like that. Um, most notably Albert in our WhatsApp group. But um, I'd for me, I'd love to, but... I think at the same time, I'd, you know, so often like my wife will come or I'll bring some friends or whatever. And it's, you know, in that scenario, it's a more of a relaxed environment where we stand as opposed to, you know, just being thrust into the middle of like, you absolutely have to sing every single song all the time. So, um, I'm undecided at the moment. Um, but I would definitely, if possible, dip in and out of there every now and then if I don't choose to go there. But I'm very excited for it. Um, hopefully it can, as you say, all the things going on in the background can be resolved. But And it should, I suppose, end up with some people in those seats at the moment actually keeping their seats who want to take part in that section, which I think was one of the initial big uh, sticking points. But um, but as you say, Heskiv is still a bit vague and we'll undoubtedly get some more news on it later on. Um a person who will be standing in front of that singing section seemingly inevitably forever will be Wayne Hennessy. And um, he won the Aaron Wan-Bissaka Player of the Month award. Uh, do you think that was deserved, Heskiff? Yeah, I do. Um, I voted for him, so I was quite pleased that he got it. I think, I mean, there's been a lot of talk about Wayne this season. Um, I suppose some of the detractors are saying, you know, he's just doing what goal- goalkeepers should do. So he's not doing anything spectacular. It's just that he's been not great before this season. Um, but, you know, I think, I mean, I was up at Old Trafford on Saturday and I think he was very good. Um, I know, you know, a couple of people saying he parried the shot before the, the offside goal was given, but I thought it was a lot more dominating um, in the box. There was one point where he sort of did a sweeper keeper and ran out um, to, to sort of clear up the ball before the striker got to it. 
and he just looks a lot more confident. He seems to be someone that the defence are trusting of now, which I don't necessarily think they were before. Um, and, you know, he is making some fantastic saves. I think the save that the double save, well, it was the first save uh, in the first half. I think the header was straight at him. Then he made a save from Lukaku's header in the second half. Was, I thought they were brilliant. Um, and after the game, when, you know, the fans were, were singing his name, he turned around and, and gave us a clap. And I genuinely think he, you know, it, I think it possibly surprised him, but I think it meant something to him, which is nice. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a fully deserved fully deserved award this month. Yeah, he certainly, when the crowd started singing his name, he certainly jumped around quicker than he would have done a couple of seasons ago, that's for sure. But, um, yeah, you could see he was touched by it. And, you know, I'm... I think he's made it clear that he re- he says it a lot in interviews that he realizes he's not a fan favorite. So um, that will certainly have cheered him up a bit. And you know, it's well deserved praise at the moment. You can only you can only save what's put in front of you. I, d- I don't know if that's an expression or not, but um, he's been he's been saving them recently. So it's good for him. Um, another player who's uh, you know. The complete flip sides of the coin, I guess, in Max Meyer, and always people always wanted him to play, and obviously he started to sneak back into the team a little bit more recently, and um, had a brilliant performance at Old Trafford, I thought. But um, Mike, did you see this article <laughs> for, uh, talking about how the Bild newspaper in Germany absolutely seems to despise him and um, laid into him in a really sort of weird onslaught this week? They sound like a really toss publication, don't they, on that article? They they really do sound like a a bunch of miserable, miserable people. Uh, yeah, they so the quick synopsis of it, um, it sounds as though they're still bitter about um, underachievement from, from Schalke um, back in 2016, solely blaming uh, Max for the majority of it. Um, and then saying that he's ended up coming to a club or the you know relegation fodder doesn't understand um, how you can say you know we're talking about a world class player and yet he's ended up at Palace um, talking about Hodgson as a dinosaur or something like that um, and I just read it and thought well it sounds to me as though you know he's at a place where people shout his name and they're annoyed when he goes off compared with a place where two years later they're still slagging him off in the press so um i think he's probably just thought well i actually feel like i'm wanted here um and it pointed out at the end of the article that Schalke are two places above the relegation zone yeah. the same as palace <laughs> um so yeah and and they've only got 18 sides in uh, in the bundesliga so yeah it was um it was a very bizarre article and you know factually inaccurate all over the place as well in terms of you know saying that uh, Roy Hodgson hasn't come close to winning anything since 1997 when he was with Milan, which is just absolute nonsense because he took Fulham to the Europa League final, which was yeah, that's what I was thinking. an outstanding achievement. You know, no one would have ever expected that. They turned over Juventus at home and all sorts of nonsense going on. So, um, yeah, it was re- really bizarre. And I just assume that the press out there were big Schalke fans or specifically at that publication, but... Yeah, very strange article. So go and have a look at that one and have a little chuckle to yourself, guys. Um, we obviously had some sad news this week with the passing of Darren Pitcher at a very young age of 49. Um, Hesky, if I know you were going around the time Pitcher played, any memories of Darren? 
Um, I, yeah, I mean, I, I quite liked him when I was when I was younger. Um, so it's sort of in the mid mid nineties. I was fairly young, um, and he was never one of the players you know that everyone would say he was their favourite player. But I remember quite liking him, and obviously, um, the goal against Wolves in the cup is, is the sort of moment that everyone remembers. Um, so yeah, I thought it was really sad to hear that he'd um, that he'd passed away, and especially like you say, at such a young age. Um, you know, when I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not super old myself. So when you, you know, plays that you remember watching are passing away, it does, it does hit home a bit harder. Um, so yeah, really sad, unfortunately, to hear that. Yeah, so um, I think he played around 83 times for us, a couple of hundred times for Charlton as well, but we'll gloss over that. So it's very sad to hear that, and um, obviously thoughts with his friends and family. Let's move on to a lighter note now. Um, we're going to start with the social medias and we'll talk Brighton wallpaper, Mike. Have you, <laughs> did you see that atrocity? I, I did see that atrocity, yeah. Uh, I saw your tweet as well. Um, yeah, what, what can you say about that? I have to work. I have to work near that monstrosity of a stadium fairly often. And it, it brings a shiver down my spine whenever I, uh, whenever I see pictures of it. It's like they've tried to make a palace for a turd it just it's just and it's such a beautiful area and there's a nice university next to it and yeah what can you say really for the listeners who haven't seen this um it's a 360 degrees experience wallpaper so you can put it on the walls in your room and it feels like you're in the middle of the stadium (laughs) um heskiff be honest 12 year old you would you have had it if it was celeste 22-year-old me probably would have, to be honest, right? Um, uh, 37-year-old you. <laughs> oh, whoa, whoa, you're aging me by about a month and a half there, my friend. Um, yeah, I mean, if I'm a kid, maybe, but I don't know. My, my taste when I was seven was dubious, but um, certainly that's a proper stadium, though, isn't it? Amex is it's crap. Well, yeah, so um, we probably won't be doing a preview podcast for the Brighton game, obviously, because it's Tuesday. Um, will you be heading down there? Uh, yes, I have a ticket. Uh, well, yes, right. Mike, do you think we'll get in this year? Oh, I really... I, but what People have been talking this week about how many points we're going to take from the next three games, and I've read seven seven and nine as most people's answers um i would take if we're going to drop two i prefer it wasn't there but i could i'll take a draw now i reckon um yeah I, i'm slightly dubious about getting back to hastings on the train um with a bunch of brighton fans uh but we're, yeah we'll, we'll see how that turns out uh, i might i might I might go with a neutral black jacket <laughs> Yeah, I'm thinking of trying to buy some inflatable knives and um, I don't know if inflatable knuckle dusters exist, but I think that would be good fun going down there, just antagonising the Sussex police a bit. <laughs> um, and one person who might be there was the um, at the game on Tuesday is the Man United fan who fell asleep in the stands at the Palace game last weekend, Mike, which you um, tickled you on social media. Absolutely amazing. We've all done it. You know, you know, when you've just had a few too many drinks and you uh, I've done it at a cricket. You just find yourself dozing off and before long somebody behind you is like, Way <laughs> Um Yeah, and you just somebody just decided to, to turn around the video at precisely the moment where he started dozing off. And it's amazing because he's he's you know, he's staying vertical, he's, he's standing up and then just 
couple couple of little micro sleeps in there. Um, it sums sums up his team at the weekend as well, pretty well. Um, but it was on that same amazing um, away fans um, Twitter account that posted the the single West Brom fan arriving at the Checker Trade Trophy game. It's well worth a follow. Well worth it. Yeah. Um... I've certainly fallen asleep at a game before. I remember working a New Year's Eve uh, all the way through the night and straight stayed awake straight through to the three o'clock kickoff at home against Norwich, I think it was. And I just have a vague memory of being woken up by Dion Dublin scoring in front of the Homesdale and like just seeing he's celebrating, you know, pre-dube days and all of that. So, <laughs> but so so it wasn't alcohol based. It was it was tiredness based. Oh no, it was a combination of everything. So I just oh, okay. I drunk straight through from like working at until six in the morning, and then instead of going home and like having a quick nap, I just drunk all the way through to the game. And I was a little worse aware come half time. You, you don't fall asleep on Dion Dublin. That's, that's not what happens. <laughs> yeah, certainly not if he's banging his dupe. Uh, anyway, we'll finish that there. <laughs> and when we come back, we will be talking to Natalie from No Nay Never. Back of the Nest Match Preview Podcast. www.backofthenest.com Right, going to touch on a player that doesn't get covered a lot, um, mainly because he barely ever gets in the team. But the, I believe it was at the CPFC Trust events uh, last week. Ray Lewington was talking about Gyro Riedervold. Uh, perhaps the most Palace comment ever, Heskiff, in saying he's a really good technician, but for us, he's not busy enough. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, let's just let's forget all of that famed Ajax Academy rubbish. <laughs> um, what have they ever created for football? Crap. I mean, loads of uh, this sort of comes across as they think he's lazy, right? Reading between the lines. Mm. Yeah, it does. Um, I, I think Ray was saying like he, he yeah, like he's, he's not hurried enough um, getting back when we've lost the ball and that sort of thing, which. You know, I mean, he was playing, I think he played centre-half for Ajax, didn't he? I mean, if you're playing centre-back for Ajax in the Dutch league, you probably haven't got much to do most of the game. I mean, his, his passing rate there was 90-odd percent because he's just picking off five-yard passes to his mate. Um, and that's, I mean, you know, and that's the way that they're brought up. You know, he's obviously technically is very good and that's how Ajax and Dutch football have done it. Um, you know, obviously very, very well. But... Yeah, I mean, the Premier Leagues can be quite physical, especially if we play him in central midfield. Because um, I think uh, Ray has said that he he and Roy see uh, Gyro playing in Luca's position. So, I mean, he's, he's, he's pretty tough for him. He's not going dis- to dislodge Luca anytime soon. Um, you know, and it's th- th- there must be something to it because, yeah, I mean, a lot of people point to how well he played in that Man City game last year. Um, and I'm one of them. I thought he was excellent. But the fact that he hasn't really kicked on and sort of established himself, uh, you know, sometimes he's not even on the bench, um, says a lot. And I think I, I think Roy comes across as quite a good man manager. So, you, you know, it's a bit worrying that you would think that he's probably put an arm around Gyro and said, look, this is what we want from you and this is how you can improve and, you know, possibly get into the team. And he hasn't really done it this season. So it's a, it's a little bit worrying. Um, he, I mean, he is still young, but then you look at Wan-Bissaka's in the team doing really, really well and is improving and he's getting forward more than he was. So he's obviously taken that on board. So, yeah, it, it is a bit worrying and it, for, for Ray Lewington to say it 
publicly. I mean, I don't think he was sort of sensationalised in anything, but he, you know, it's obviously quite an important issue if he's he's willing to sort of say it out loud and maybe give Jaira an extra nudge. Did you, Mike? He got he got a fair enough chance at pre-season. He pretty much played every single game. And um, do you think it's on him for not really taking his chance in that time, and that uh, he hasn't adapted? So, in that case, it's it's just tough on him, or, or or do you think we're not giving him a fair crack at a whip? I would say it's more the latter. Like Ray Lewington pulled out a a Neil Warnock kind of comment. He was like, "Oh, he's a lovely lad. He's a lovely lad," <laughs> um, but. But we're not going to put him in the team because uh, Luke is in the team and obviously he's not going to take Luke's place. And I, I thought, oh, well, Luke is just coming out the the other end of, of like his worst spell at Palace. So poor old Jairo is sitting there thinking, well, if I couldn't get in the team then and now he's playing well and he's the reason I'm not even getting in the team, then I haven't got a chance in hell. But at the same time, if he is the understudy for Luca and he's not even making the bench against Man United, it doesn't sound like it's totally true to me. So um, I, I'd suggest that um, they just don't fancy him, which is a crying shame because I, I do uh, fancy him. Um, and what about as a footballer? Yeah, he's all right. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, th- I think it's a it's a shame. And uh, Lewington did allude to the fact that you know he was brought in to play a more calm control game because that was where the ball was going with his philosophy and whatever so um i i, I feel really sorry for him he's, he's come at a time in his career where obviously the boars bought him and said you know you're going to come and play for me every week in this team and it didn't materialize for that for him so i, I feel very very sorry for him um in flashes, he look, he's looks brilliant uh his passing range is fantastic he barely gives the ball away um and he has a fantastic long range pass on him as well, but like a pass that will open a team up, which we lack a lot of the time. And with the amount of pace that we have, you know, we could really benefit from having that on the field. But um, uh, I, I hate to see it. Like I hate to say it because, you know, I kind of laugh, you know, and think we're a bit Luddite-esque in terms of <laughs> not wanting to have a technician in the middle of the park. Instead, we just want people run around and put in tackles and, you know, uh, put in 110% as they say, but um, I just I just don't think we're the right fit for him. And um, obviously, it sounds like say it sounds like he's a nice guy. So good luck to him. I'm sure he'll be off in January. I can't imagine that um, we're going to be keeping him, especially considering he's probably the one of the only players in our squad that we'd want to leave and could get some money for. So um, needs to stop wearing those baggy bloody shirts. That's what he needs to do. Yeah, well, that's true. And it just, it just looks like he's wearing some sort of like shoulder thing under there. He's like really hunched. It's weird. It's very, very strange looking guy. <laughs> but um, anyway, let's <laughs> let's move on to someone who has been getting perhaps more game time than he should, um, but obviously was left out the side at Old Trafford in Jordan Ayew uh, before coming off the bench. Heskiff. Now, we, we weren't stood next to each other at, Old Trafford, but I know you were there. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. That second time, after he'd raced uh, Lindelof the first time and realised that his groin was screwed and that he was basically running on one leg, that second time when Jordan Ayew hunted Lindelof down or didn't and Lindelof beat him in a race with one leg, uh, I, I assume you were fuming. Yeah, I think that was <laughs> that was my... Well, I don't know if it's a turning point because I didn't really rate him anyway, but... I mean, the, the bloke can barely move 
and not only has he beaten you in a foot race, <laughs> but then he's done, he's done you with a Cruyff turn. What's what are you playing at? <laughs> so, so what, we, we talked about it last week, but we were saying, you know, hopefully the goals against the Ethiopian team would help his confidence. If it did, that confidence is gone because <laughs> he's just been he's just been knackered by a one-legged man. <laughs> um, Nathan Jones here was saying basically, Mike, can things get any worse for the much my mind Jordan are you after losing being beaten by a one-legged Lindelof? Well, they, they did they did get worse because I don't know if you've seen Ian Wright's comments this week. Um, he was asked, I think he was at a um, a big do um, for it was like a I think it was like a tag her whatever you pronounce it uh night and um he he was asked what the the striking the scoring options are um for palace and he said well you know it's still benteke is the only real option then he laid into Sorloff and then he just i.e was a footnote and he's just like well he doesn't put any effort in he's useless um so you know when, when ian wright's saying it then you probably have to have a hard look at yourself um, I have no patience left with him whatsoever. I doubt you two do either. And if Riedeveld's going in January, I damn well hope that he goes back as well because I am sick to death of seeing him, to be honest. <laughs> so um, this week's probably got one nil IU written all over it then. Um, wasn't it, was it last, or had he already, had Bakary Sacco already started scoring goals last year at a point when we beat Burnley 1 0 at home? Yeah, he, he scored He scored in the Ipswich League Cup game, didn't he? Because it was, the, it was the only goal, it was the, the only goal that we scored in August. Mm. But yeah, but then, uh, yeah, but then he went on to score against Burnley, but I can't remember if he was already scoring goals by that point because um, we. Uh, he scored at Leicester, didn't he? But it was when he had that little mini resurgence and, you know, if Burnley can be the kickoff for IU, then hopefully it will happen. But uh, <laughs> I just, I can't really see it, I mean, being honest. I, I will buy you a curry if that happens. Um, but I think I'm safe and I'm going to keep my money. <laughs> um, well, I will hold you to that if Jordan IU scores, because that's <laughs> obviously just a free bet, a free bet for me. So, um Thank you very much. Um, and I'll order the spiciest thing on the menu and make sure that you follow suit, basically. Can you handle Can you handle yeah, your curries? Yeah. Yeah, let's go. I'll have a foul if you're having one. That'll be nice. Oh, yeah. all, all over it, mate. All over it. So, um, uh, obviously, at United, we persisted with a 4-4-2 formation and um, it, actually, it actually worked for once. Um, good setup against United, especially in an appalling <laughs> midfield. I mean... Let's, let's dwell on it a little second. Pogba and Matic, based on that performance, Heskiff, would you put them in our centre midfield? Definitely not. Actually, when um, it was in the second half, Matic had the ball and now I realised it was Matic. <laughs> um, like, like, not even joking. I turned to my mate and said, is that Matic? And he was like, yeah. It was the first I'd noticed that he was playing, which says quite a lot, really. I mean, it's not it's not great. Um Pogba, yeah, was was pretty awful. Um, I didn't join in with the effing useless chance because that always jinxes it, but I did when he got subbed. <laughs> um, I was safe when he got subbed, so I, I called him I called him a few names then. Um, by the way, just as a side note, my rant last week about Jesse Lingard. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I hope everyone's on side with me now because I hate that little... I, I'm, I'm uh, still amazed. I have no idea how he didn't get booked. Um, at, 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 oh, at least once and what was really funny about it is my um, 
a friend who lives in Manchester who's a Bristol Rovers fan was there. So he's, you know, not used to watching lower league level football. And um, when Milivojevic, who I thought rightly got booked for a cynical foul and stopping a breakaway, he was... He Absolutely. was fuming, like, I can't believe the refs booked him for that. What's wrong with him? I'm like, mate, that's like a stonewall yellow card. Like, it was like, oh, you've you've been watching Premier League football for too long, mate. You've gone soft. And he's like, that's not a yellow card. That's just a free kick. Get on with it. And then about two minutes later, after me, like, vehemently defending the referee for booking a Palace player, Lin- Lingard does exactly the same thing, levers our player up in the air to stop a counterattack, and the referee just gives a free kick and lets him get on with it. I could, I could not believe it. And then um, I was like, "This is ridiculous." And then he, he then he's got a couple of niggly, niggly fouls. And then in the second half, he left one late on someone and um, still didn't get booked. And then uh, my Bristol Rovers mate went onto the BBC website to look at the like live text. He was like, "Oh, they're saying the guy on here is saying he can't believe how often Lingard has been fouled." And I was like, "Is why? Why is this trying to trigger me?" <laughs> But you're right. I, I think anyone, any Palace fan who was trying to say last week that um, they're getting on side with Lingard, uh, anyone who was at Old Trafford last week will certainly be having second thoughts on that. <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, <laughs> diatribes aside, do you think 4-4-2 will work well this weekend, Mike? Because, you know, Burnley, hey, Burnley have, you know, as we touched on with Natalie earlier, ter- terrible defence basically this season, not not. Uh, anywhere near what we came to expect them from them last season, but um, where they were a very solid back four unit and old school in that sort of sense, not having fixed strikers in a position caused caused teams a lot of problems last season. Where with Zaha and Townsend floating around, so do you think that could be a way that we could get a Bernie this weekend? Well, I mean, if we just rewind to five minutes ago, where a one-legged. <laughs> groined groin pained Lindelof managed to keep us at bay. Um and people were talking last week about how they didn't think any of the United defenders would have got into our back four, which arguably I maybe agree with. I, I mean I did did see the Burnley Newcastle game and they did defend badly. But what worried me was um the reaction from the manager afterwards. Um I think we're gonna be on the end of um a more disciplined display. Uh, I felt like that was the last last straw for him. I, I, I think they thought, hold on, why are we not doing what we were doing last season? Um, I'd like to think we can score, but um, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I've sort of lost confidence in, in, in us beating anyone, really. So um, yeah, I suppose if we could, if we can score against anyone in the league, it's probably Burnley right now. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think that people are taking this game a bit too lightly, personally. Yeah, I mean, for me, as um, anyone who would have seen the poll on um, Twitter would have noticed, I called it the most nil one game I've ever seen in my life. Um, <laughs> does that ring true with you, or do you? Do you, do you think that there was enough signs at Old Trafford to say that the scoring is just around the corner? Well, I think the the Man United game was one of those where you say, if we play like that against teams around us, we'll be fine. Um, but as we know, as long-suffering Palace fans, we that ain't going to happen. Um, and also, you know, it's a different type of team. I, I mean, we look good against Arsenal, Man U, Liverpool this season where they've played on the front foot and we've been able to sort of get behind them and get in between their players and that. 
Whereas, you know, teams like Southampton, Wolves um, have come to Sellhurst and we've not been able to break them down. Um, and like Mike says, it's a bit, you know, we, we're at the point now we, we it's hard to see a scoring. Um, and actually, I thought we played brilliantly against Man United on Saturday. I, I thought we were absolutely brilliant. Um, and if PVA and Andros had used their actual strongest foot, then we would have won. Um, and Burnley's defence are not going to be as bad as United's were. I mean, they, no, they, I mean, let, they let stuff through that I just couldn't believe. Well, exactly. And, and you know, like you say, if, if Sean Dyche, I mean, I didn't see the Newcastle-Burnley game, but if Sean Dyche is pissed off, he's not, I'm sure he's not going to let him rest on their laurels. You know, he's not the sort of player uh, manager I'd want to get on the wrong side of. Um, and, you know, they're, they're capable of defending. I mean, it is a surprise to me that they've let in that many goals because in the past, I sort of thought of them as, you know, a well-drilled, solid, unremarkable, but solid team. Um, and that's why I think that if they come, even though they obviously need the points as much as we do, if they come to get a draw, um, then we might struggle to break them down. Uh, so, yeah, I mean... I would like to think that games like Burnley at home should be games that we'd win. I think I think they are games that we should win, um, but just you know we, we can't. We as we know we've yet to score from open play at home, and that that makes me think. You know, yeah, it it wouldn't surprise me if we lost one now. Do, do you want to start to um, to cheer yourself up a little bit? Absolutely, mate. Go for it. So apparently in the last 12 games between the two sides at Selhurst, they've only won That's the one. That's correct. That, that, that 2-0 game, what was it? Was it last? No, the season before last. Yeah, Going back to the last season one, that was that was actually Bakary Sacco's last goal for the club against um, against Burnley in the 1-0 win. So uh, there's no chance that IU get using, Burn- <laughs> using Burnley as a springboard to find some goals. Um, right. What um, With Burnley... And let's look at our strikers. Chris Wood, Sam Vokes, Ashley Barnes and Matty Vidra. Uh, any of those getting in our team at the moment, Heskiff? Oh, the thing is, they, they always seem to do all right. I don't, I don't think they're especially good players. Ash, I can't stand Ashley Barnes. I mean, for, for obvious reasons. Um, but I mean, probably they do. <laughs> I, I mean... They're better than Jordan Ayew. We, I think we can all agree on that. Uh, at, at, the, at the risk of annoying Albert, who once again is AWOL. Uh, he's probably on holiday again today. Um, so a lot scored in the reserves. Good, good, good so finish maybe, that was. It, it was a decent finish, to be fair. Um, so maybe playing him um, from the start on Saturday might, you know, mixing it up a bit might help. Because I think... You know that they're, they're sort of big, lumpy centre backs. Um, you know, we'll probably deal with. I mean, if we hoof it up to Andros, it's not going to happen, is it? Well, that's what I was saying. Um, I think like it, it might be better to just work between the lines on them instead and pull them out of position and sort of play around them, uh, which um, yeah, you know, we we seem to do really well against United on the weekend. So I don't know, but I'd, for me, I mean, apparently Chris Wood is getting, you know, he's way off the pace um, this season. 
according to Burnley fans. So not much him. And obviously Ash, Ashley Barnes, I think I've said this in the past on the pod, begrudgingly have respect for him because whenever he scores against us, he'll, if he's at the, if we're at the right end, he'll come and celebrate in front of us and, you know, harking back to his Brighton days. So kind of begrudgingly has respect for him that he continues to hold the rivalry in his heart. So that's... Um, and and I think to be fair, we can't really take the piss out of any strikers for any club this year, can we? Yeah, uh, not even Macclesfield Town with Sol Campbell just gone and taken over. I mean, I have no idea he's up front for them, but it's it, it'd probably have a chance of getting into our team. Uh, and not even to mention Freddie Ladapo, who's absolutely bags man this year. He's got I think he's got ten goals already this season. Get him back. Why not? <laughs> what have we got to lose? Although we'd probably have to pay five million for him now. So maybe not such a good idea. But um. Yeah, let's end that there. And then when we come back, we can get into predicting the game. Back of the Nest Match Preview Podcast. www.backofthenest.com A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Back of the Nest Match Preview Podcast. www.backofthenest.com Okay, so it's an optimistic poll this week. 68% of people went for the winning option, which was at last. um, 12% respect the point. And for a loss, claret everywhere was 20% of people. Um, you did well with that. I uh, like that. It made me smile. <laughs> which I, I, I haven't been able to say for a lot of them this season. So. Uh, yeah, well, I just, just tried to keep it to one pun. Maybe three puns is too much. So, um, Well, I mean, if you're going for three and hitting that sweet spot of zero, it's good to maybe just go for the one and, and <laughs> properly hit properly get uh, thanks for your continued support mark <laughs> um said block said last year i didn't miss a home game until chelsea our first points and goals this season the first i missed was arsenal first home goals i'm away saturday so confidently predict that we will score at least two goals from open play probably max um hesky if you're buying into that absolutely not <laughs> Um, but I, I, I said but when we were chatting before we we started recording that I sort of fa- I sort of fancied coming on and saying that I thought we were going to win, but not only would that jinx us, but then I've in the course of the last forty five whatever minutes we've we've been chatting, I've completely dissuaded myself that we're gonna that we're gonna get anything out of the game. So thanks to thanks to the chap who's missing it, um, I appreciate you know, his service in trying to help Palace get a goal, never mind a win. Um, But I'll go, I'll be positive and I'll say a draw. One all draw. I think we'll score. But then I think Ashley Barnes will score. Okay, well, you'll be pleased to know that Nick Gillard of Back of the Nest, um, lacking behind in the prediction league, has asked uh, 
how can he improve on the prediction league this this season? Is it because he is he losing because he keeps predicting Palace to win? And um, he's we've said that maybe he should go against Palace and start predicting us to lose. So maybe that's another little omen that um, could see us over the line this week, Mike. That's not that's not an omen. That's just proper common sense, <laughs> isn't it? Really, uh, I, I've gone for one all on there because I I'm I, I just think that they're going to really come out fighting. I think if we score first, um, it will make a massive difference. Um, but I've got a feeling that we're going to be one nil down at half time to uh, to that man Barnes, um, and then we're going to get one back with Zahar going down in the box or something like that. The the thought that we're going to score two in open play, I mean, I just, I cannot see that happening. I, I'm just glad I went to the Dulwich Hamlet game. So I actually saw some open play, <laughs> open play goals. Um, yeah, I, 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 I think a draw as well, personally, um, which I'd be happy enough with um, taking it into the Brighton game. Yeah, I'm, I'm torn this week between an emphatic win or a one nil loss. <laughs> and I think that pretty much sums up me as a Palace fan. So I th- I think if we put in anywhere near the level of performance we did against United and the Burnley that played against Newcastle turn up, um, we'll have a great chance of running them over and maybe even scoring as many as three. Could you imagine that? But um, just because I'm miserable, I'm, I'm going to go one nil to them. Ash, Ashley Barnes obviously has scored a goal, and um, that will be interesting. That will start to turn up the heat on the sidelines, won't it? Uh, <laughs> we, we, I'm interested to know after this many games last because I think at the moment we're one point better off than we were last season. Uh, it's possible that we'll be worse off than we were last season. But having said that. Every team at the bottom is, you know, I, th- I think we were fairly well off the pace last last year. Um, you know, it's so close down the bottom this year. It's a bit of a different situation. But I think we might be behind on the points if we do lose. Interesting. Can I can I just jump in and throw someone under the bus while we're doing predictions? Um, friend of the show, miserable Dave Perry, um, has told me, I mean, he was emphatic about this when we were in Manchester on Saturday. He thinks we're going to lose to Burnley. He thinks we're going to lose to all of these teams. He says there is no way we are losing to Brighton. Okay. Wow. Which is a fairly unbelievable. I thought he was drunk, but he was driving, so he <laughs> wasn't. Hope. <laughs> I, hope, I hope he wasn't. Um, but yeah, he said, he's not saying we'll win, but he was like, they are shit. We're definitely not wow. going to lose. We survived all the way through to, to there for, for a little swear. Just making sure that Billiam's paying attention. <laughs> Did he, did he think it would be as dull a game as last season? Um, he probably did. I mean, he's that, that's literally the most positive I've ever, ever heard from him. So he probably thinks it will be like an abysmal nil I was nil-nil. watching that game in Mexico drinking a Dos Equis. Ask if you'd be pleased to know. Nectar of the gods. <laughs> right, finish that there and we'll be back after this. Back of the Nest Match Preview Podcast. www.backofthenest.com Okay, a little question for the outro. Would you rather beat Brighton twice and finish below them or lose to them twice and finish above them? Mike. That's tough because either way, um, my Brighton supporting mates would never let me hear the end of it. 
I think I would rather that we finished above them and lost. You've got the initial, the initial pain for a few days, but bearing in mind because we've got a midweek game and then another weekend game, we can make up for it within three or four days. But then the lasting glory of finishing above them again, I think is something that you can savour for, for many a year. Um, so I would go with losing to them, but finishing above them. Haskiff? I'd go the opposite. Um, like if they finish above us in the league... They can crow about it, but then we've always got the, you know, they're not your proper team anyway, pipe down. And also, you know, next year we might finish above them. Um, I just love beating them. I love beating Brighton. Like the playoff semi was my favourite game ever. Um, last year, all right, the second half was a bit bit dodgy, but at home when we when we absolutely hammered him in the first half, it's, oh, it's my favourite thing in football. So I'd go for two wins. Yeah, I'd, I also would go for two wins. I don't think you look at, I don't think you, if we beat them 2-0 and 2-0 and they finish 14th and we finish 15th, I don't think that's like, they're going to be able to, with any real gusto, say, oh yeah, but we um, we finished above you by one place and one point. I think it, it massively depends on the positions. If we're, if it's a relegation, play, if we, you know, beat them twice and finish 18th, 19th or 20th, then, you're not, no, I'd rather stay up. But um, where'd they finish last season? They finished six, sixteen, yeah, something like that. See, I think I think that's a big enough gap where I'm still sort of I can still get some mileage out of that when that you know when they do start chirping a little bit. So oh, we finished eleventh. Um, but yeah, I suppose if there was one play, oh, this is this you could write an essay on this. Couldn't you? <laughs> you certainly could. But I just whenever they try and pipe up, I just mentioned that Zaha is a bigger than their club and B owns their club every time he plays them pretty much. So um, <laughs> that's enough for them. Right. That's enough for this. Hopefully um, by the time you hear my voice next week, we'll be six points better off, you know, lording it up about a Brighton win, which we'll inevitably be previewing or well, reviewing, sorry, on the preview show next week. So um, look out for that unless of course we lose and then I oh, will just gloss over it like nothing ever happened uh, <laughs> um, obviously review show will be on Sunday as we get some solidarity back into our lives with a few 3pm 3, 3 kickoffs and um, as we sign off this show just once more again echo rest in peace Darren Pitcher up the palace this is Pitcher It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.